0: Welcome to the Nightly News, I'm Gregoire. In news this month of February 2023, a balloon was seen over the United States and was shot down. The comedy pairing of Smart Enough No Better has nothing to say about where that balloon came from. We cross now live to Dan Beeston and his comment on the situation. Dan! I, I, I didn't think it would even get up that high. Like... It's too heavy to to,
1: to sit at eighty thousand feet.
0: Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better.
1: Welcome to episode 196 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science and comedy and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Greg Waugh. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, you'll be shocked. And
0: here today, gone tomorrow. But before we get onto those, what happened to you this week in science? I have been, due to my work, back in aeroplanes, flying around and going from city to city, being stuck in a pressurised tube and flying like a god at 30,000 feet to other cities. That is a delight. So I do love flying. It, it, the first it bit. Is, it's,
1: uh, it's been- and the end bit. The bit in the middle where it's just the drone of the engine, you can't sleep, and they give you alcohol in like tiny bottles. Rubbish. Mm,
0: I want mm, big bottles. Mm. <laughs> get us hammered very early i was just interested i'm always i know where i like to sit where do you, where do you like to sit down in in the plane
1: I, I like to sit at the back with the stewardesses
0: oh they... <laughs> that's where all the oh, little yeah.
1: bottles of alcohol are
0: <laughs>
1: they do not like you sitting back there that you get in trouble <laughs> real quick <laughs>
0: I like sitting in the aisle, so which I used to, I used to be a window person when many many years ago. But now I've definitely moved into the aisle. I just want to be in the aisle so that I can sit down when I want to sit down and stand up when I want to stand up. And I know people go, oh, they have to get past you, but that's fine. I don't mind getting up. I would much rather that than having to like climb over people. So through the aisle. And for business, especially, I like to be closer to the front of the plane so I don't have to fight my. You have to wait for thirty minutes while everyone gets out of the plane. But I was actually wondering, where's the safest place to be in a plane? in the event of a very unlikely accident. Well, you'd be at the back, you would think, because that's the
1: last bit to hit, so you live just a feet, half second longer.
0: <laughs> and that's that's what I thought too. I was thinking, surely it's at the back. Research recently has shown this is True. correct. Uh, further, yeah. further You don't want to be, you don't want to be all the way at the back. Cause it's going to slow do, down as it crunches into the mountain, right? Well, this is the, the, people should read the article that I found this in. They actually kind of, they kind of go, well, there's a lot more material between you and the, and the impact zone. Yeah. We're talking about people. All those people, people are a cushion. That's it. Like if you, are. if, if and, you fall
1: off a building and you land on the other person who fell off the building, you got a better chance of getting up,
0: right? Yes. Once again, it's a whole idea. of You want to slow down over the longest period of time. So the force is smaller. Lots of squishy people are in front of you, then you will slow down slower than if you had to run into a very, very hard bit of aluminium or the tarmac or whatever. Now they're saying that the best place, you don't want to sit, you want to be in an exit row because you can get out of the plane faster, but you don't want to be in the exit row that's over the wings because they're full of fuel and they have a habit of exploding. So don't be anywhere near those. You want to be in an exit row near the back, which makes sense. Here is the one that, that I hadn't considered. In the row, where's the best place to sit? Ah, as in window seat or,
1: or aisle seat? You mean? Yes. Huh. Yes. Well, surely it would be the aisle seat because then you could jump up real quick. And again, is that. further away there... from
0: the fuel. Further away from the fuel, and you could get into the middle area and do a runner. This is very true. Or if you're at the exit seat, technically the oh, that's not near the fuel. You, the the one that's near the window would be the best place because you can just open the door and you can get out first. be the first oh, person. Yeah. out. yeah, because an got, exit it's an exit road. all that, that room there.
1: Like you, like th- that would have to be a- an enormous person. Sitting on the window seat for you not to be able to just push them out of the way and get past.
0: That's true. And, and we're definitely going to be doing that. We're definitely going to be just hurling them out of the way behind us whilst we grab our Pushing stuff. them to safety. Are very, We're pushing them to sa- and riding them like a toboggan to safety. But no, it turns out it's not the aisle and it's not the window. It's the middle seat. Because <gasps> you're cushioned so- on either side? That's it exactly. Once again, they kind of go, once again, there's more material. Human airbag. That's exactly. So if you've ever get put into the middle seat and you're next to the exit row, know that you at the, well, not the exit row that's over the fuel, but further back, know that you are in the safest place because all those lovely humans are there to cushion you. So they'll all go to their, to the final reward or black inky blackness and you'll be there to live saved by a meat cushion. Ah, oh, the meat cushions, and that's what I'm just going to call the listeners from now on. So thank you, meat cushions. If we have a fly together. Actually, I'm that, going to be feeling your arms and legs, I, just, just to make sure I know I don't where know whether this
1: reflects really poorly on me, but meat cushion sounds like a euphemism for a sexual partner.
0: Would that be meat cushion, more meat cushion for the meat pushing? Mm. Oh no, have we, have we dipped yeah. that low already? We're only in the mm. first bit. I, I know, I know. I <laughs> know. No, I'm sorry. But anyway, that's it. That's it for me. Uh, what's your week in science? Um, so,
1: we often give a nod to our various stances on big corporations. There are no <laughs> third party trackers on the website. And oh, the only yes. information we track is how many episodes were downloaded. We're no longer on Facebook or Twitter. But there is mm-hmm. one business that we have become somewhat reliant on, Gregoire. Ooh, yes, yes. Google Scholar. Mm. oh yes. Now it's a good place to go and check for dependable research, but as we discovered in the past, Google are pretty evil. Yeah. You know, they were a robot-wise.
0: Yeah, they they used to be have that don't don't be evil on the wall, and then they then they decided actually they liked being evil, so they took it off the wall. So yeah. Much um, more money in always, being
1: evil turns out.
0: Always believe when people tell you things. When people go, "Hi, if you if you if you um vote for me, I'm going to do bad things, they really mean it. They, they're going to do bad things. If a corporation goes, hi, we're going to be really bad, th- they're not kidding. It's not hyperbole. They're, they're just telling us nowadays. So they just yeah. have to listen. Most people don't have to tell you that they're not going to be evil. They just don't be evil. Yeah. Most people are actually good people. You don't have to say, by the way... Hi, thank you. I'm so glad we we're on this elevator. Hey, hey, Dan. Um, I'm glad we've got on this elevator. I'm not going to stab you in the eye with this tiny rusty knife I've got on my hand. That's not going to happen, Dan. You, you know what? I'm just going to take the next one. Actually, you. you no, 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 no. You look, enjoy look, 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 the elevator I look, I look, I look, by what?
1: yourself. I'll just. Yeah, yeah, I'll take the stairs. Yeah, you know what? I need some exercise. <laughs> all right. Bye <bye-bye>, bye. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to do. You that. Feel like that's the first of many flights of fancies that we're going to have. The light of stare, fancy. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> um, so I've discovered a new place to read about science that isn't Google Scholar. There is a service called Synapse. It's spelled quite cleverly, but you can't hear mm. what I'm saying. But it's called Synapse mm. and it's quite clever. And it's a search engine designed to work with research papers, it's open source meaning you could dig into the code and help make it better. It's also easier to use, and you can do a search on a particular subject and just get a bunch of related abstracts to peruse. So to try it out, I just did a search for grapefruit, and boom! Researchers in Italy have found that the pectin fibres in grapefruit waste can act as chemical sponges that absorb and concentrate highly bioactive citrus flavonoids and terpenes. Oh my- you just need to subject them to hydrodynamic cavitation. These oh discoveries God. provide I- insight into the treatment of m- microbial infections and neurodegenerative disease. Oh my God. And one thing that did occur to me is that it makes me feel kind of like Wheatley in the video game Portal 2. I don't know what that means, but I can look it up. <laughs> And so I did look it up. So well, pectin is just plant cells. Flavonoids and terpenes are just compounds in the fruit. And hydrodynamic cavitation is when you liquefy the grapefruit and then pump it at high speed so little bubbles form, which is, I don't need to tell you, Gregoire, science is shit. <laughs> True. And you can, you can look for anything on this website.
0: So the website seems pretty darn cool, and a link will appear in the show notes. Yes. I'm glad it sounds cool because the name you, Synapse makes you go. Uh, the, the byline for me would be "Science so boring, it's it'll put you to sleep." It's not that. Not that sort of naps. No sort of naps. No. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, America, the cool sort of, one with the electricity the cool, in the brains. Yeah, yeah, like 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 oh, neurons and stuff. Yeah. That sounds. That sounds excellent. Yay! So we we managed there now. Well, step away a little bit more from Google. Take that, Google. Also, I use Duck Duck Go. It does not work very well. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. I asked Chat GPT which um which corporations I shouldn't use. It just oh, how did that giggle- go? It just giggled <laughs> evilly at me. No no. <laughs> it asked for all my passwords. Uh
1: <laughs> that ChatGPT it just works like that game where on your phone you put in like two words
0: and then you just hit the auto yeah. thing, the next button mm-hmm. thing, and you get gibberish. It just goes to show how linear we think, everyone thinks on the planet, because it can, it can put out answers that look and sound correct, because it knows what, it knows what it has to put after the word it put before. Anyway, it's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Yeah. What it
1: really goes to show is how important fact checking skills are.
0: Yes. Oh, that's going to be, that's going to be so important. This is really important. Something that I, I teach when I'm working with students, when, when you, you always call it the smell test. So you sort of say, you know, you do all this big maths and you, you're trying to work out the mass of the sun or whatever using sort of orbital mechanics or something exciting like that. And then I always say to the students, so when you get an answer, does it, does it pass the smell test? You know, you know the mass of the sun, so does this look right? If it's a 100 times out, then it's probably wrong. So you you, you don't have to know the exact answer. You have to go, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't look right to me. It makes you check. So you've got to have a base of knowledge first to go, what's the smell test? And I think Mm. this is what these chat GPT things are going to do is you've got to get them. You've got to know enough to go, that feels wrong or sounds wrong to me. I'm going to go look into it. You can't just go into it. "I, I know nothing about anything, and I'm just going to accept it. I've got a better plan. Mm. Anything you read on the internet, just assume it's
1: wrong and check it.
0: This is true too. Well, I mean, some of the new AI search engine kind of things, they're talking about it's got to, it can't just steal everything. Well, it can, but it, it'll also put the links to it like we do. So mm. it, so ChatGPT or the new version of it won't be checked. That's just, that's just a brand name, by the way. But you know, whatever AI discussion thing they have, they create, it may talk about butterflies in venezuela but then it will give you footnotes and that's you can go check them and that's the that's probably more useful hmm. instead of just going here's some stuff people nah. just read
1: through wikipedia and they go oh this is all true but not your old pals Greg and Dan <laughs> we go we we click on the the little button and yeah, go to the other site do. and
0: have a look and realize that it's garbage it's yes, abs- we do we you always always trust chat dan and chat Gregoire.
1: Don't ever do that. <laughs> it's bad enough you send us money.
0: <laughs> you know what makes humans different to the other primates, Dan? Massive cocks. Enormous genitals. We actually do have enormous genitals for our body size compared to a lot of the other apes. This is very true. This is actually very true. We spent half a podcast talking about it once. Yeah I know we are we are obsessed we are obsessed with Janet. In fact I think you've asked me this question before and that was my answer. <laughs> look let's look it's a it's welcome to the best of episode where Dan and I just reminisce on giant penises and tiny monkey cock. <sighs> <laughs> Here's something I learned. It's not what I'm going to talk about, but why humans are better than apes. This is all part of my, why humans are better than apes. Chimpanzees have something like five times the, the fiber density of their muscles. So a 25 kilogram ape can ease sorry, chimpanzee can easily overpower like a hundred kilogram human because their muscles just are more powerful than ours. But that's only in hand to hand combat. Human beings can flick their arms in such a way to lob a rock much, much, much harder than an ape of similar mass. So we can we can hit you with a rock at a distance much harder than an ape can. Oh, we can yeah. shoot him with a gun too. Dicks out for Mugabe. Mugabe? Car- Harambe? Yeah. Her-
1: D- dicks out for harumbi. Yeah. Mugabe. No, dicks out <laughs> for
0: M- Mugabe. Yes, yeah, Mugabe was a yeah. Dicks that's out for that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, why are we why are we taking our penises out for harumbe? Because is it we want to make him feel bad about it? Like anyway, we've I don't. Know. I, don't
1: I don't understand Reddit. <laughs>
0: I just like to point out that my question has nothing to do with penises. I just looked at my notes and went, Oh yeah, we're not talking about penises at all or any sort of genitals. In fact, it's not about genitals. So let's, let's move off genitals. Wow. From, we are, in, we are in uncharted waters here on smart. We, nothing we, <laughs> we, so we've talked about before how human beings have the same number of hair follicles as, as like gorillas. We just, they're just more fine. Then now, yeah. so, yeah, so we have the same, but we we have luxurious head and crotch hair and armpit hair, but really it's our head hair. It's luxurious. Other primates just don't have that. No, and that would be weird. Imagine like a gorilla with a toupee.
1: Yeah, or yeah, or like long straight hair, like share hair.
0: That's where I'm going with this. Though other apes do have straight hair. We're the only primate in the in the wild that has curly hair. Well, if you you think of an African person, a, a, so a black person with that style of hair, so they, the tightly coiled hair. Yep, that's not you think. Can you think of another primate that has tightly coiled hair? The answer is no; they don't like, exist. Poodles aren't a primate, are they? No, they are not. And that's also uh, yes. We have actually bred certain animals to have curled hair, but we've chosen that. But in yeah, nature, like we're you don't the get, only... you don't see wolves with like
1: oh sheep. Sheep have like. Not hair, felt hair, right?
0: Not not hair. Wool well, wool is just hair, right? That's right, isn't no, it? No, wool, no wool is not hair. Wool is not hair, is it? Anyway, of course it is, it is. We're really well off track. They're mammals. What Every is, mammal uh. has hair. It, wool is just hair. It's just thick hair on a sheep. But I said primates. Okay, we, we look, wool. it's hair that's woolly. Let's leave sheepgate out of this for a moment. Let's right. um, let's not be dags. See what I did there, dags. Sheep, Don't leave the sheepgate open. Yeah, don't leave the sheep gate. We're we'll going well to close no, no the Hang sheep on. No, no, no. Gate. No, 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 no. If the sheep gate was open, you leave it open. If the sheep gate was closed, you close it. Always leave it as you found it. <sighs> you city kids, uh, anything. Don't even know you're alive. Yeah, too much iPad for these kids. That's right. So, the point of this is human beings are the only primates that have tightly curled hair. All right. So why? And, and let's face it, that was the first hair of Homo sapiens. We didn't have luxurious straight hair and then some of them became – no, no, Africans were the first humans. We came out of Africa, out of the East Rift area. We all at once had very, very, very curly hair. But the why? animal that we evolved from didn't have curly hair. Did, wait, we when do, did curly we, hair start? There's the question. We don't know. We don't, I, we've never found other primates. Like we found things that could have been our ancestors. We don't 100% know. It's all mixed up, of course, but we don't know if they had curly hair, but there's no other primates that definitely now. We've never seen evidence of any other primate with curly hair. This seems to be a human thing that humans have evolved. So the question is why? Why did we for a long time in Africa have curly hair? And then we lost it when we went into Europe and became the weird, pasty, maggot like Caucasians that we are, that you and I are anyway.
1: <laughs> Could it be yes. that it creates an artificial hat to protect you from the sun?
0: This is now that's that's a, what We don't hair have hair all over our it.
1: body, so we get sunburnt a bit. And that's we got all true. that if we were there, we would have had plants stacks of melanin. To sort of protect us, yes. But if we had, absolutely. if our hair grew out sideways rather than straight down, it could conceivably cast a shadow over us, <laughs> like <laughs> like that, a big net. like that character from Fat Albert. <laughs> yes, or, I, uh, I,
0: or the or the the Harlem Globetrotters. Like oh yeah, like a big like a big afro kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Even before we get to afros, just even the idea of having hair on the head used to be lots of, like, why they say, oh, well, bald men actually sweat more than non-bald people, not just men, but bald people sweat more than uh, non-bald people. That shows that bald heads cool down faster. But then they thought, and actually they realized later on, no, it's just that you get more sunlight on a bald head and therefore sweats more. It's not Mm. actually more efficient. So hair, having hair on your head is is meant to be a sunblock. It's meant to keep your head cool because that's where you keep your brains. It's super important to keep... Keep them cool. Also, oh, it is balance. casting shade on my brain. It is. It is. So huh. it's it's a it's a balance between not allowing s- heat from the sun to come in compared to blocking the heat from your brain that's trying to get out. And it seems to be more advantageous to have the sunlight blocked because there's a lot more energy, you know, one watt per square mm. meter compared to your brain, which is not p- pumping out one watt per square meter. How so, dare you! I- <laughs> So that's hair, but why curly hair? So, that, why didn't why didn't we just keep long, long, luxurious gorilla hair? You know, straight and beautiful and blah blah blah. Technically, if you have, if you have long black hair, you have gorilla hair, by the way. Just all the people who are like, oh my god, my hair's you because know, everyone hates curly hair. Not everyone hates curly hair, but this curly hair is not considered super attractive. It's like everyone straightens their hair. It's ridiculous. All you're doing is making yourself look like a gorilla. Have you not heard of a perm? Everyone just wants people, what they don't have. So well, maybe only half of people want what they don't have. That would make sense mm. mathematically it's on a some sort of bell curve. But here's the point. Here's the yeah. point. The so the curly hair, so tightly packed curly hair has spaces in it. So it has it allows for more air to pass through, which. Is, seems counterproductive, not counterproductive, counterintuitive, and it allows evaporation from the scalp to happen. So the idea is that the air can actually pass through the tightly packed, the wound up hair. because There's more spaces like there are there are tubes, basically. So we're making leave, our own chimneys. We're, we're basically making sweat tubes or t- chimneys to get air through and evaporate and cool the top of your head. So it's more a curly-haired person's top of their head will be cooler than a straight-haired person with the same amount of hair. So we huh. think that's why we evolved to have curly hair. And then when human beings moved north and north and north and north into the Europe, we no longer needed all that melanin, and so we became pasty and weirdly pink, So sort of like a like a so, like So a, we can like absorb
1: all the vitamin D.
0: And we didn't need the curly, packed hair anymore. So over time, for whatever reasons, we lost it. Hmm. I think it's. Just, it's amazing. I just found that really, really interesting. Evolution Human weird.
1: Uh, humans are gross. Oh, that's why That's why pubic hair is all sort of wiry and pr- provides lots of ventilation as well, because those things get hot.
0: That's true. Our giant genitals get super warm and, and sweaty. No one wants that. Some people want it. Uh, uh, not the <laughs> stewardess
1: at the back of the plane. No, again, she did not. I was not allowed to be there. Gregoire, what should and shouldn't you do in a
0: lightning storm? You should reconsider your life choices of sacrilege in churches, because that was probably a really bad idea. Wow, that was pious. That was a much more pious answer than I expected. And you shouldn't have had that copper ring stapled to your anus and you should definitely not bend over because that you're just inviting problems at that point.
1: What, what, let, look, obviously I've got a segment to get to, but I, I do need to dig into this because there are sure. ways of attaching okay. copper to like mm. to humans. Like nose mm. rings, mm. like like that sort of stuff. You said stapled a copper ring to your anus. Yes, and that's not a thing that anyone has ever done. Certainly, stapling—you could staple a human. Like sometimes they yes, do that. They're medical in staples. Are, yeah, they're a medical. But, yeah, but but why a copper ring, and why to your anus? Do you? Like, do you really the, want to explain this? Well, are you are you squeezing it through the copper? Well, look, uh,
0: there there is uh, that. It, it turns every bowel motion into a circus act. That's, you know, that's valuable. For a science
1: experiment, if you've been eating, what, aluminium? No, what's the thing that slows, what's the, what's the thing that slows down? Oh no, if you've eaten a magnetic field, it would slow down if it went through a copper ring, right? Well, if
0: if you um oh, no, that's a copper tube. No, no. If you just put a, if you just no, dropped a magnet through a copper through, ring. It, hey, a copper tube yeah, you, is just a very,
1: fe- just a very you, long you,
0: copper ring. Very true. Very true. So if you actually hit a, if you had yes, if you've eaten a magnet and you poop it out at, through the ring, it, it will slow down as it passes through the ring because of the, nice the fields that are no, the, less flashback. Very true. The longer the longer the tube, the slower it goes. Very good. Yeah. We've solved it. Excellent. This yes. well, this this segment's been really really interesting, Dan. Thank you for bringing it. I, I appreciate it. You're right. It is a scattered
1: recording session. (laughs) Emphasis on the scat.
2: All right.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you what you shouldn't do in a lightning storm. Don't stand in an open field. Yeah. Don't hold metal objects or have them stapled to your anus. Don't Don't get under a tree. Don't
0: stand under a tree. No, no, no. Don't stand with your feet far apart. That's because your giant cock will touch the ground and lightning will just go straight through it. You
1: would have less damage if it touched the ground. But we'll go into that, weirdly. (laughs) Um, Don't swim in a pool.
0: Yeah, true. Don't
1: have a shower or do the washing up. Uh, And just to be careful, I don't ever do the washing up, so...
0: (laughs) Because well, can that makes sense. Because because there's like a thousand lightning strikes on planet Earth every second. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, you, you are asking for trouble if you if you wash dishes. Yeah, and don't stand on the top of a hill. Now, do mountains are fine. <laughs> lightning, lightning really hates people who don't try very hard. It, it respects you if you go to a really high altitude or you stay well, on the ground. I mean, with
1: people, if you if, if you go to the top of a mountain, that's okay. If the mountain is above the storm cloud, oh, I see. True. That may no, be no, true. I'd be, no, it would have be to be careful. because it would because the, the the clouds touching the mountain like that's the path of least resistance is the bit where the cloud touches the mountain. Surely, I,
0: uh, yep, I'm right. If you've been struck by lightning on a mountain climb, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do
1: seal yourself in a Faraday cage.
2: Yes, do absolutely.
1: plan ahead and. Don't get caught in a lightning storm. I mean, really, with all of the you know the meteorological services, what is wrong mm. with you that you're going out on a hike when there's a lightning storm? Mm. And if you don't have a Faraday cage, get inside a vehicle or a building with wiring and or copper pipes around you.
0: Do not push your anus against them.
1: Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't mm. touch the mm. copper with your anus. Yeah, I'm actually. I think you can touch the copper. With with whatever, because oh. in theory, because the electricity would go down the outside.
0: You're asking you for tu- trouble, though.
1: I think you touch the inside of a Faraday cage,
0: you don't want to be. Well, the Faraday cage is different. You wouldn't want to be the path of least resistance for any weird reason. So just don't. No, touch, but if but touch, if it's copper, no.
1: that's like electricity yeah. doesn't want anything to do with you.
0: Yeah, you say that, but copper, yeah. like not copper. Electricity is mean. It has a mean yeah, streak. It's,
1: it's, it's quite powerful. It's,
0: It gets drunk, and then it uh, it tells you it's going to change, and it never does.
1: Yep. That's why we call it lit. (laughs) Okay. So, why not an open field, under a tree, or on the top of a hill? As we've discussed, lightning takes the path of least resistance. Like our jokes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think some of our listeners are quite resistant to some of our jokes. (laughs) All right. The... Air is hard for electricity to travel through. If you are six foot two and made of 65% water, you are an excellent conductor. This gives the lightning bolt just a little bit of a head start. And so it chooses your beautiful form to illuminate and caress with up to one billion volts of electricity. (laughs) You could run into a forest, lots of trees there, and hopefully you won't be next to the tallest one except being struck by lightning is only one of five ways that you can die from a lightning strike. (laughs) In fact, direct strikes only account for one in 20 deaths. Right. So another way is a thing called contact voltage. So if you're in a forest and lightning hits a tree, you are a better conductor than the tree. And if you are touching the tree, it will travel through you instead. But you're probably not going to touch the tree. Only a fool would do that. Yeah, but I'm not going to hug that tree. There is also a thing called the side flash. If you are within three metres of an object hit by lightning, a side flash can arc through the air and zap you. Lightning
0: is a, is a bastard. Like, that's just that's just being a prick at that point.
1: Yeah, it could just go through the, the last bit of the tree, yeah. but it's like, nah, mm. fuck that guy no. over there.
0: That's right. Give <laughs> me some side eye. I'm going, sorry, I'm going to give him a side flash.
1: Now, it's quite hard to give trees a three-metre berth whilst running t- through to safety through a forest. Mm. Now, if you are in a group, you should travel with three metres of distance between each member. If you're closer than that, the bolt can hit both of you if you're too close. The next one is a step voltage or ground streamer. When the bolt hits the ground, the point of contact has a lot of voltage, and the ground 30 metres away does not have a lot of voltage. And the voltage then needs to even out. So if your feet are far apart, it might even out by going up one leg and down the other leg. This accounts for 50% of casualties. Uh, So if you had an enormous cock your way. Yeah. If you had an enormous cock that went down the middle, then that would be, that would be half the the electricity. That's true.
0: Damage. Thank so God. It, just, it, may, it may decide. It may just be so in awe that it just doesn't bother doing it. It's just like no, so we're fine.
1: It, it's the one positive to having a big penis. <laughs> this is also why multiple cows die in a single strike. Oh. Their feet are so far apart, and their penises so small.
0: That's a tiny. That's actually no. No, we we should be careful of that because their livestock have huge dongs. True.
1: Some of them are professionals too. <laughs> okay. The final way that you can die is by being an upward leader. Oh, which is good because I've never been considered one of them. Uh, <laughs> this is why you don't want to be on a hill. The lightning cloud above can have one polarity, and if the difference between polarity on the ground is strong enough, the ground tries to send a little up lightning bolt upwards as well to sort of just call out to the to the heavens. <laughs> He's here.
0: Uh, Strike this idiot
1: here. And it will start from the highest point and you'll see this stuff forming on buildings and wind turbines. If you're in a forest, you don't have to worry about that. But if you add up all these dangers, it's actually slightly more dangerous in a forest in a lightning storm than in an open field. Oh my goodness. If you have planned poorly and find yourself at risk of lightning strike, watch out for these signs of an imminent bolt. Hair standing up. Sound of crackling, light metal objects vibrating like a superhero is about to fly away.
0: (laughs) If this happens around you... And the other one is you hear a deep voice going, "fuck that guy in particular.
1: Where did that voice come from?
0: Ooh, (laughs) look at my arm.
1: Ow! So, if these things happen, you have a fraction of a second to get into the lightning crouch. Mm. The lightning crouch, you put your feet together, you squat down, you tuck your head in and you cover your ears. Because that way, if it strikes next to you, it doesn't go up one leg and down the other because your feet Mm. are so close together and you're really low to the ground and you won't Mm. be deafened by the blast. Excellent. Now, all of this lightning stuff occurred to me because I was chatting to someone about a kid somewhere in Australia, I don't know where, who recently got hit by lightning while swimming. Mm. Now, I have known that I need to get out of the pool when lightning turns up. Pure water is not a conductor at all. It is a terrible conductor. It only becomes a good conductor because of the impurities in it. Mm. Impure water is an excellent conductor. And if I'm in it, that lightning will hit the pool water and fry me. Not only that, but my head will be wet and slightly higher than the rest of the water. So this makes me the path of least resistance. (laughs) Great. But this guy was swimming in the sea. And I wondered if the sea was as dangerous to swim in as a pool. Because the sea mm. is huge. The whole thing is a conductor. Yeah, Meaning right, I shouldn't be in that much danger, right? Like, even if the lightning hits the water, it will all get absorbed into the water. It's like sitting next to a big copper cube. The cube takes
0: the brunt and I should be fine, right? I, I guess within a certain radius, yes. After a certain radius, surely.
1: Well, it turns out the charge, the electric, electrical charge, stays on the top of the water. It acts like a great big Faraday cage spreading that load horizontally. Good news for fish, bad news for mammals that breathe air and sit with their <laughs> dumb little heads sticking out of the surface. <laughs> so if you are in the sea and you don't want to be struck by lightning, the safest option is to swim deep underwater where there's no lightning. <laughs> just, and just stay there. Hmm? And just stay there. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. You'll be safe for the rest of your life. (laughs) Ironically, Dan is then killed by an electric eel.
1: Oh, shit, I didn't
0: think of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the irony. Especially if it just bit you to death. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even shock you. Yeah. Gump. Why don't you kill me quickly? No, not for you.
1: Uh, do you need to introduce this question-answer thing?
0: I, I have a theme song I want to do, but that's fine. Um, but uh, no, theme be- no, not a theme song? Not not It's not a very good one. Not a very good one. <laughs> <laughs> questions and answers with your old friends Dan and Greg. You have questions and we've got answers. Questions and answers with Dan and Greg. And the person we invite who can actually answer the questions because we're a bunch of dumbasses.
1: Is that already recorded or is that, that's it? That's it. That's, that, the, song. that's the, that's the, that's the take. That that's is a take. A take. That's that's
0: the take. That's the take. One of the best parts of doing this podcast is we get emails from people and they've been really heartfelt emails from all over the world for, for over a decade now of people telling us their life stories or asking questions about what we do, but sometimes science questions, which I try and point out, uh, the answers or, or go find sources because I, you know, I'm not an expert in anything. I can barely, think straight uh but so and sometimes they ask really really serious questions and so alan had gotten contact and wanted to know an astronomy question astrophysics question so they write uh, a recent article i was reading quoted 93 billion light years across as the sphere of the observable universe they go on to say elsewhere the age of the universe is listed as 13.x billion years So the speed of light being what it is, to their brain, this means that we shouldn't be able to observe anything more than 13.x billion light years away. How do these two figures resolve? And I thought to myself, you know who I know? Premier astrophysicist and all-round clever person, Dr. Natasha Hurley-Walker from the International Centre for Radio Astronomy Research and the Curtin Institute of Radio Astronomy... So I thought I would get in contact with them and say, "Can you answer this question?" And they didn't just tell me to get nicked. Hello, Doctor Natasha.
2: Hey, Greg. Uh, happy to answer this question for your listener. So, um, their conception is entirely uh, correct that the speed of light has a finite value. And if you did imagine a fixed universe um, that was, uh, you know, exactly one size and it was just sitting there unchanging, indeed, it would take. billion years for the light to travel from the edge of that universe to us here on earth and that would be the radius of the earth uh, sorry of the observable (laughs) universe right that's fine however our universe doesn't look like that so our universe is expanding and actually uh, it's gone through two phases of expansion so the very very first phase we were in the Big Bang, and we really can't say much before that. But the universe was kind of infinitely dense, very, very hot, everything squashed together. We had a period of inflation where the universe dramatically expanded by st- orders of many orders of magnitude, uh, extremely quickly, like much less than a second. It went from a dot to very, very, very large. We don't actually know how large. When, when and you say expanded then, quickly, do you mean
0: mm-hmm. this was? I was trying to think in my head. Did it expand faster than the speed of light? As we technically, understand
2: it technically, s- sort of. So the <laughs> speed of light is something that is fixed in space time, right? So space time. If you if have a photon traveling through space time, then that photon travels at the speed of light, and you can measure space time in sort of meters and seconds, and that's how the photon is traveling. But space time itself is expanding, and so I'm saying it first expanded very dramatically. And in a way, that expansion was faster than the speed of light. But it's it's the frame itself expanding. (laughs) So Uh, I'm sorry that that hurts your brain. (laughs) Don't worry. It hurts everybody's (laughs) brains. That's just how it goes. And since then, it's been expanding at a much more sedate pace that we can kind of get a handle on and understand and it doesn't terrify us quite so much. Uh, and that's just been the expansion of the universe. So we know this because of the Doppler shift effect, so the red shift effect that um, as things move faster or slower away from us or toward us, if they're moving away from us, the light photons get stretched and so it seems more red and when things are moving towards us, they get compressed, the wavelengths get smaller and things look blue. And when we look at galaxies that are further away, they look red And if we look at them even further away, they look even more red and so forth and so forth. So the further away things are, the faster they're away from us, they seem to be moving. So the universe must be expanding for this to be true. And the measurement of how fast that is, that velocity per distance away from us, is called the Hubble constant. And it is measured in kilometers per second per Megaparsec and meso- megaparsec is just a really big unit of yeah. distance. So it's well, like Alice a million. Alice's, Alice's
0: can deal with that. Yeah, a million. So like three
2: million it's, light years.
0: Yeah, yeah, three. Yeah, that's about, yeah. But it's, it's, saying that light be like, years,
2: adding more light years yeah, it's yeah. confusing. But yeah. it's just a unit of distance. So, that number is actually there's, there's a whole there's a whole thing at the moment where people are like, <laughs> actually, do we really know Hubble's constant? We are actually mm. kind of got this tension between people who are trying to measure it very accurately doing different methods. But it's about 70, 70 kilometers per second per megaparsec. I, and so w- I, every.
0: I, well, sorry, I, I had a wonderful conversation. I'm sorry to interrupt. I had a wonderful sure. conversation uh, about six months ago with um, freshly minted Dr. Robin Cook. Where mm. I watched, we were talking about the Hubble constant, and and I watched his poor mind go. But the, the the certain experiments that say it's this number, and there are certain experiments that say it's this number, and they have error bars, and those error bars don't cross. And, and yeah, I watched this poor guy, I watched this poor guy go, that doesn't make, you think it would be like, well, it'll be the crossover area, and that's where the answer actually is. But these two separate, very different experiments have given two very separate answers that don't want to kiss. And that, sure. and, and I, and I watched him get very upset, it made me go, oh wow.
2: We're that, all very that, <laughs> upset, honestly. We're all, we're, it's called the Hubble tension, because people oh. are very tense about it, no, that's, <laughs> it's called the tension, because the, the measurements don't agree. Um, but that's, that, that is um using various other measurements which are way too complicated to get into with the single answer to the single question um but the the one of the measurements you can do is of the redshifts of these galaxies of how far away they are and how fast they're moving and you map all those together and you get a number for the hubble constant so then that's been se- it's about 70 the new measurements are like some of them say it's 67 some of them say it's 72 and so well anyway so so that means that okay go back to our original fixed universe where yes the speed of light is finite and you're in a sphere and that thing that's 13.7 billion light years away that photon has taken 13.7 okay that's that's easy for you to uh understand but now imagine that um that thing that emitted that photon 13.7 billion light years uh, that's 13.7 billion years ago has moved it's moved quite far now. Uh And we and can it's accelerating, say isn't it? It is accelerating. That's another... Uh, just oh, oh quite okay. Shut up again. G-
0: oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. So <laughs> just,
2: by, just by extrapolating, it's been this much time since the beginning of the universe. And we know what Hubble's constant is because we can literally draw a line through the distance of galaxies and how fast away from us they're moving. We can say that that thing that emitted that photon 13.7 billion years ago must now be about 45 billion light years away and hence the diameter of the observable universe being about 93 billion light years it's uh, space time itself has moved and it's taken all those galaxies along with it and again i'm really sorry if that is annoying and incomprehensible it turns out that's the way the universe is yeah uh bah, <laughs> that don't, that didn't make it um what you were asking about the accelerating expansion is an effect called dark energy. So, uh, semi-famously, famously among astronomers, um, Einstein wrote down these equations uh, in the 50s, 40s or 50s, to um, kind of map out all space-time in the universe and matter and everything. Just, just cash, you know, yeah, yeah. one afternoon was like, hey, you know what? I could just write down an equation that describes the universe. Mm. And to make the math <laughs> add up, he mm. added this thing called lambda he was like i just need a constant to balance mm. this equation because if i didn't put this constant here it would in- imply that the universe is expanding
0: <laughs> yeah and, and, <laughs> and then they found this.
2: out that the universe was expanding so he was like he called the cosmological constant his greatest mistake which is pretty harsh einstein i'm um, and now it turns out that actually you have to give that constant a value because the universe is expanding and accelerating. And so is there, there is this thing called dark energy, which we, we, we call it dark energy anyway, which is causing the rate of expansion of the universe to increase. And all the way up to relatively not that long ago, maybe half a billion years ago, the effects on the universe were imperceptible. But it seems that as space time gets further apart, dark energy becomes more important. And we postulate that this Im- increase in the expansion rate will become very large later in the universe. And so not only will we keep expanding, but it will kind of get ripped apart and things will start moving away from each other even more rapidly than they already are. So it sort of adds a curvature to that Oof. line of Hubble's constant. But we don't, the, the evidence is very, um, uh, it's it's the, the there's a change, there's a movement there
0: mm. but
2: uh, it's not that big an effect right this moment so we're yeah. okay. I often think we're in a wonderful <laughs> time in the universe because we happen to be able to still see the earliest epochs mm. we can still see the cosmic microwave background it's not too um, low temperature for our measurements to pick up uh, it, we can still see very distant galaxies, they've not redshifted mm. so far into the infrared that they're blocked by like the most tiny trace of cosmic dust we can still see very distant things Mm. um and that allows us to really understand what we're actually looking at a whole history of our universe we Mm. can see that whereas if you put us a trillion years or so into the future those things would all be much harder to measure and we might sit around like the residents of planet cricket going oh well (laughs) it's just us (laughs) and the dark sky that's it
0: yeah beyond that point i'd like to point out a bit of inside baseball stuff here i just want to give the listeners when astrophysicists say uh dark something what they say is they don't know uh so dark matter don't know what that is dark energy really <laughs> don't know what that really is really don't know what it uh, is yeah so yeah. just so you know it's a cool name but what they mean is there's a big nobel prize for any of the listeners who want to get involved and uh and <sighs> uh, maybe solve it uh, or, or now of course the hubble tension that's that go get the nobel prize for that one too just a casual afternoon Nobel Prize. Uh, there you go. So just to, just to try and simplify this a little bit. So really the answer is yes, the universe is 13.7, 13.8 billion years old. Light does travel at the speed of light. But the universe itself is expanding and therefore the and moving away. So the light has taken 13.7 billion years to reach us. But the thing itself has now moved away like a... Uh, Like a a beach ball on a river. It's all moved away from us. And so the observable universe is 93 billion light years diameter across roughly. We think think it's diameter. I never care about
2: this. We never care about this. Like astronomers don't care. We, um. We talk about a, a thing called a co-moving volume. I love how you tried to simplify and then I'm like, let's make it complicated
0: let's, again. Let's talk about co-moving um, volume. Let's
2: <laughs> put co-moving Because we, we only really care about the real history of the universe. Like it makes no difference to me whether mm. a galaxy like is actually 80 billion light years from me now like I don't it doesn't what does that it's meaningless mean? to me because yeah. what does that even mean it's, what, is, it's what not, is
0: now equal How what not is now going? okay, okay well, no, we have to stop we have to stop because that's it yeah. like, now is relative and space yeah, but, and time so we
2: just put the clock back <sighs> and we we. it's like we uh re-rewind right we Mm -hmm. rewind time to work out the distances of things and we call that a co-moving volume like you follow the expansion of the universe along and then that way things have normal distance measures like uh, therefore galaxies are never really 93 billion light years away they're like uh, as far away as the time that yes. the light was emitted.
0: All right, we have to stop. That we have makes to stop. things I, easier for us. Even, even my brain's now exploding. We're going to stop there. <laughs> Alan, <laughs> I hope that is, uh, you, you've understood that. I hope that answers the questions. If you have any uh, more astronomy questions, um, uh, Natasha might come back in the future and answer them. But any questions of any sort of stuff, please send it in to us. We'd, we'd love to uh, hear from you. Thank you very much, Dr. Natasha, for giving you expertise today. And, Cheers, Greg. Uh, and uh, I hope I hope the tension one day resolves.
2: Oh, very much.
0: Welcome to the Walk of Shame,
1: where you, the listener, send in our mistakes so that we can
0: tell each other about them, and everyone gets smarter. And people just point and laugh at you in the street and go, "There's a person who shamed themselves again and again." And no again. one
1: ever laughs. They look at us and go, "Wow, that person just got even smarter." <laughs> So, Greg, you mentioned in the last podcast that the illustration on the Voyager probe shows a penis, Mm. but it doesn't show a vagina. Mm -hmm. Now, you are correct, but as Jess Quick points out, nor does it show a vulva. Oh, good point. Yes, The vagina is the inside part of the human body. I suggest that if we did show illustrations of the inside bits of the body... On that sort of thing, then maybe they wouldn't have to do all that probing. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much to Jess Quick. One I spotted. Mm. Oh yes. From a long time ago. Now we have talked about Chad, the oh, Earth's yes. sun, being yes. a yellow star. Yes. For new listeners, we learned that the Earth's sun has no official name, so we discovered and named it. Mm-hmm. I had my mind blown recently to discover it's not a yellow star at all. Dun-dun-dun. It's slightly blue-green. Dun-dun-dun. So, yeah, yeah, I know. And I know, what the question, mm. I know what question you have too. So mm. stars pump out electromagnetic radiation. If you look at a yep. graph of the wavelengths, you get ultraviolet down one end, then you get purple, blue, cyan... Green, yellow, orange, red, and infrared. Mm-hmm. You could have a blue star like Rigel. If you looked at your graph, you'd see it pumped out some ultraviolet, then lots of blue, and then dropped off into cyan. So most of the energy coming from the star looks blue. You could have a red star like Betelgeuse. It doesn't have much blue. It peaks at red and then drops off in the infrared. So it looks red. Mm-hmm. So, a yellow star would have cyan and green and then peak at the yellow band and then drop off into the red. But Chad doesn't do that. No. Chad peaks slightly bluer than the midpoint of green. Now, we've talked about green stars before. You don't get them. You don't get them. The amount amount of warmth on one side of the green cancels out the amount of cool on the other side of the green and it just looks white. Mm Mm-hmm. So you've got to start white and then get redder in one direction or bluer in the other. Yep. Okay. Now our sun looks white because it's so bright in all of the wavelengths, but when it comes to the most active wavelength, it's it's slightly turquoise. So why does it look yellow? Because when it hits our atmospheres, it becomes attenuated. It appears yellower and yellower. So at the very high point, when it's directly above, it's indiscernibly bluish, but then it goes white and then yellow and then orange and then it sets. Yes. So yes. Earth's sun is not yellow, it's a little bit bluish.
0: Yeah, it's a white yes, yes. I've talked about this before on the podcast. <laughs> But, the electro, but it's a yellow the electro- sun. That I, the, I've read so many Superman comics. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But we talk about it, it peaks into the green, absolutely. But it's definitely not a no. It's it's no. It's it's definitely the atmosphere. Everything you just said is true. But we've talked about this on the podcast before, like many, many, many moons ago. I guess it's just a walk of shame for me then. I didn't. I was trying to work out what I said. I was waiting for the thing I said. What did I say? No, you. I, oh, okay. I, so I, it's I, just for the podcast, right? Just so something I that I comes, was wrong about.
1: Turns okay. out. <laughs> I could have just asked you, and you would have been like, "Yeah, it's slightly blue." <laughs> Everything you said that I was like, mm-hmm, "Yes,
0: yep," mm-hmm, but yep, it's yellow. On, yep. I've got, I've got these crayons. Yes, yes. Oh, it's true. That's true. But that's that's as you said, because it goes through the atmosphere, and it, and it, it the blue the blue light is so the red light is more scattered by our atmosphere than the blue light. So we get we it changes the color. that's why you get red sunsets, as you said. It's yeah, but you I nailed thought
1: it, it started you, a bit yellow. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. No. Starts a bit white. Whitey, yeah. Mostly white, a little bit blue. We've all all learned something.
0: It's good. We've all learned
1: something. It's good. Oh, I did not enjoy the process. (laughs) (laughs) You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. Get along to the website where people are talking using the comments section because it's a proper <sighs> indie style website that's been set up for so, you and not one of these conglomerate things that are, that <laughs> ju- are just a friggin' mess. Yeah. Yeah. If you would like to support the podcast using more than just your words, although we do love that too. We like words. Words are great. It. What we love more is numbers with a, with a dollar <laughs> sign in front. Of- um, you can, uh, we're, we're pretty, we're that's, pretty chill. That's not actually all, true. Actually. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. are real needy. So, yeah. <laughs> letters are much better. So, yep. if you want to support us, uh, with more than just letters and with numbers, then you can buy a shirt or drop some money into the tip jar or you can become a Patreon. Okay. Real talk, guys. Ooh, real talk. Ooh. We set up a Patreon several years ago so that mm. you guys could give us like two bucks a month. Mm. And if anyone was, like, really cashed up and really liked the podcast, they could give us five bucks and we'd say their name out loud. But we figured that very few of you were that generous. Then there was this amusing comedy bit where (laughs) you'd pay an extreme amount of money and I didn't have to insult you. At this point, there Mm. are more people in the top this is a stupid idea tier than any (laughs) other tier. (laughs)
0: Our business model is a mess. It is. is. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good at all.
1: We're like those mobile apps that rely purely on the whales. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, if you've paid five bucks to the podcast for this month, then you get your name read out. Woo-woo. So a big thank you to Ivan, A.V. Greenbury, Andrew Potts, Andrew Trousdale, Elizabeth Yunkin, Britta Rogowski, Ilana Mitchell, Gronya Maguire, Andrew Whitehurst, Lindsay Jenkinson, Matt Ewers and Matthew Toy. Thank you guys all so much for supporting the podcast. Thank you. <sighs> Top tier. These are the people who have paid Good money and then <laughs> extra bad money on top of that to and be the, insulted. The last,
0: and the last bit is just confused money. It's like we, we don't even know what this is anymore. It's like, yeah. if that was good, then it's bad. Now it's like, uh, I don't know. There's uh. like some yen in there. Oh, there it's it <laughs> a toonie from Canada. Oh, my goodness. But, just, but just the oh. outside ring of it. Sometimes people have like shells, like really, really, like shells that were very valuable to yeah. like, Polynesian cultures. Oh. So...
1: This month's insults are going to be based on eighties songs of merit. <laughs> sure. Oh yeah, don't don't give that scoffing. Oh my god, I can't believe that. I'm I'm running very thin on ideas. Like this is the <laughs> hardest bit of the podcast. He's coming up with a theme to insult these bozos. With. I was That
0: wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't judging the theme. I was just. I, I was impressed. I made, I made a strange noise. I apologize. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 All right. Steve Eichenhout. So far as I'm concerned, you are someone else's Sharona. (laughs) Steve Stewart. Don't wake me up. Just go, go. (laughs) Michael Kedar. You're bad. You're really, really bad. (laughs) Danny Sores. I want to be your sledgehammer.
0: Oh wow! Okay, Somewhat beating everyone. That one. Deep. Oh, Pete. Pete. That's a deep pull. I like that one. That's very exciting.
1: Oh, I know what I'm doing when it comes to oh, 80s oh. music.
0: Oh, that's that was that's that's
1: pretty good. Robert Shutton, stop moving like that. It is an unsafety dance. Uh, Tom Siri. This is what it sounds like when doves curse. <laughs> <laughs> and a brand new edition. To whatever this group of people are, <laughs> uh, big thank you to Joey Wesley. You're a total eclipse of the brain. <laughs> and once again, and look, I can't believe we haven't even heard from Sean Siefkin. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just given up on all technology,
0: I think. Yeah, I think so. And rightly so. We, we, we yeah. agree. Because yeah.
1: I, as I understand it, he wants to be in this group, but he's not paying quite enough. So yeah. he gets- he gets part of an insult. That's so, right. Sean Seafkin, you walk like an. Whatever that joke is, it has to start with a vowel. <laughs> <laughs> and a big thank you to Michael Barnes, Morton O'Hare, Al Batson, and Scott Driscoll. It's going to take a lot to drag me away from them. Aww. I probably couldn't come up with a better one, but I knew that Girl Clumsy from the Raven on podcast <laughs> would like just would, would would definitely call out if I listed a bunch of eighty songs and didn't mention Africa by Toto. It's very true. It's very true. She'd be outraged. Out just, she'd be very very upset. She's probably outraged anyway. She is a she's got a
0: short fuse. That girl. <laughs> <laughs> Look, she doesn't so mind me talking about. But, as long as someone's talking about her, that's okay. That's true.
2: That's strange.
1: <laughs> oh, if you're in Adelaide, speaking of girl oh, clumsy, oh yeah, 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 yeah. If you're in Adelaide, get along to the strange Festival in Adelaide. As, yeah, if you're not 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 the not the dead queen, like if you're in the dead <laughs> in, in Queen <laughs> yes. Adelaide, in, inside it's Queen your, Adelaide. Yes, I mean, I mean, you're how, welcome.
0: Come how on are town listen to the podcast? Yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. But yes, she, yeah, she was like a, not even an important queen. It was like, wasn't like, she wasn't like a queen in their own right. She was the consort of another, of a king. Don't you say that about her. She was. (sighs) Australia's really weird that way. We haven't got time for this, Australia's really interesting because we have so many places named after British monarchs. It makes sense because we were like a, a subjugated colony, but, and we still are, but, then we also have darwin which is named after charles darwin so you go that's pretty impressive that's what it's named for we don't, i don't think there's any other city in the world that's named after a scientist yeah i think and we're the only re- one it's renowned for all of the uh inc- incredibly smart people there don't right? don't don't do that don't do that what are you what are you doing um a- don't don't that dan shh. Shh. don't don't pick on the people of darwin not what we're doing is for I mean, Perth is named after Perth in in Scotland. That makes sense. Adelaide is named after a queen. Victoria is named after a queen. Sydney is named after a, a duke or an earl or a, some sort of ridiculous lineage thing. Brisbane, Tasmania is, is named after that
1: that get that fellow from the... Hobart. Hobart.
0: Huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, Hobart. Not will would, would it be? It'll be Hobart. Hobart. Hobart's named after the, the kid out of the Iron Giant. It's Hogarth. Ah, damn it. It's my favourite movie. You're not going to slip no, mistakes like that past me. And you it wasn't a mistake. You, would, you, would, you wouldn't even accept it. That's fine. And, uh, and Brisbane is actually named after a, 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 an important person, Like, this, but also was a bit of a astronomer kind of guy, so I'm kind of willing to let that one through. What about Logan? Was he a nice guy? <sighs> Logan. He'd be a smart scientist sort of chap, wouldn't he? Logan, Logan was not a nice man. Logan was no, real bad. No? Not the Wolverine. He was a real, he was a real bad, real bad dude, old Logan. Real piece of work. I am the devil. Welcome to hell. I think it's what he used to say. Yeah. Nice man. Anyway, what was part of this? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So, we're Adelaide. We're, we, there's there's oh, yeah, a show we're in still, Adelaide.
1: Yeah, there's a show. So, <laughs> yeah. Greg and I wrote a show. I wrote a show and Greg yes. and Bill yes.
0: helped me write I, the show. I did the, the typesetting or something. I don't know. I was there.
1: And Girl Clumsy is putting it on down in Adelaide, and your old pal Greg is going to be
0: starring in it. Well, I'm the bad guy. I'm not. I'm not the main. I'm not the lead. I'm the. He's I'm the, the one antagonist. that you. Antagonist. I'm the. I'm the one that you're actually rooting for because you know you got like Kiany Reeves, like, oh, he's so handsome and lovely. Uh, he's the hero. Uh, but no, no. You you want Dennis Hopper. Uh, you want evil Dennis Hopper. To, oh, by the way, it's called Speed, a movie to play, and it's about it's weird. it's a a parody of the '84 movie speed. The bus that couldn't slow down. That one. So come on down to Adelaide Fringe. Cross oceans. Cross oceans to come here. You should come. If you like Smarter the Better, come on down. (laughs) That is a big call. (laughs) And as we always like to say, assume the lightning position. With their brittle bones, their brittle, brittle bones.
1: you got to test that stuff.
0: How brittle their bones are. You say are. it's
1: brittle. you got to collect a bunch of people and figure out how easily you can snap them. You can't just start waving around accusations of brittle
0: bones. you got to do the science. <laughs> push them down the stairs and pick them up and take them back up the stairs and push them down again, over and over again, in the same humidity and the same temperature. Same light conditions. It's the scientific method. That's it. If, if I'm going to jail, I want them to go, Mr. Wa, you're being accused of pushing someone down the stairs how do, to, to their death. How do you plead? I go, guilty, Your Honor. And I'd like to point out it wasn't just once. I pushed that person a hundred times down the stairs to make sure I understood the tensile strength of bones. What I discovered was it would kill them. And here's my body of evidence. And there's their body. <laughs> We haven't even catalogued this one. We didn't know about this. <laughs> oh, let me tell you about the other 99. I'd like to s- this stricken from the record, Your Honour. <laughs> None of this is uh, admissible just because I'm in court, is it? It's not a. I didn't give this to the defendant lawyers, so they couldn't possibly accept it at this point. They need to look at this well before I start telling everyone how guilty Actually, I am.
1: Actually, we're, we're okay with this, Your Honour. We, uh,
0: Yeah, we're happy with that one. <laughs> Damn it. Feels like an own goal to me. <laughs> well, I, can I just say that... I should be angry about this, but I'm actually very, very pleased with this, this book of records I have created about it. how much that person bounced down the stairs over and over again. Could could we just get a tag on that? Thank you. Yep. <laughs>
1: just, a, just a little tag on the front. Yep. That would be uh, uh, oh. F, I think. F. Yeah. F. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Allegedly. Alleg- lots of allegedly's there. No one can prove anything.
1: Oh, no. It's too late for that. Oh, God damn it. Wow, that's... What? Again, you touched the book.
0: This <laughs> is scattered as fuck.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's Friday night energy, baby. In fact, I think this always happens when we record on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> woo
2: <Woo-hoo. laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you make mention that I'm not involved in it during
0: it? Uh, no, no, we, no, I don't. No, you just, <laughs> no, I've just gone silent for 12 minutes. Just gone silent.
1: All right. Yes. All right. Yeah, sure. Sorry. Yeah. I want, yes. Let him, let him assume I've had a stroke. Brilliant.
2: <laughs>
0: assume the lightning position. That actually sounds really cool. <laughs> I or that, like now, the,
1: the prelude to really quick sex. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, it's just a uh, sword. it Sword? Rustling,
0: yeah, rattling, rattling your saber at people. Yeah, that's exactly. the one. That's yeah. the phrase I was after. Sword rustling. That's when you break into the sword farm late at night while the uh, the, the the sword dogs are asleep, and you steal all the swords. <laughs>